They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. to another episode of the Juan on Juan podcast. I'm your host, Juan. Today, we have Luke Williamson on again. I enjoyed our conversation that we didn't record from our first episode, episode 11, I believe, that I decided to have him back on to discuss some more ancient Egypt type stuff and some DMT psychedelic journey uh, type stuff as well, because I love it. I love it. I love it. So this episode is one of the first part of two, almost a two and a half hour conversation I had with Luke. I broke it up into two, two different episodes. This is the first part where we talk about some of the weird things of Egyptology and some of the sites there. Some of the things I usually don't hear about, just different stories and stories about different megalithic sites around the world. We touch on those and he gives his first hand account because he's been to all these places that we talk about most of them he's been to most of them and I, I just love being able to talk to somebody who's actually been there firsthand and has seen these places because a lot of us we don't you know a lot of us won't ever be able to go there because it's really expensive and I mean you know it's always good to talk to somebody about it so without further ado this is Egyptians the trolls of the ancient world with Luke Williamson exciting exciting stuff we're live. Uh, welcome back to the show, Luke. I enjoyed our first conversation episode so much that I decided to have you back on because uh, on the last show, after we got off, we talked for like another hour, hour and a half. And that could have been an episode all in itself because of the stuff that we were talking about. And it went it went pretty deep. So I want to see if we can make that happen again today. We're going to be doing a few different topics. But how are you doing today, Luke? I'm doing good. I, I uh, well, I really enjoyed our last conversation too, and we did. We talked for actually over two hours after 
after oh, well. it stopped. And and a lot of that conversation was actually better than the conversation that we recorded. So that's always how yeah. it goes, though, because you you know you've warmed up, you're relaxed, you know nobody's listening anymore. Yeah, the pressure's <laughs> not on anymore. Right. So uh, today we're gonna talk about. Again, one of my favorite places, and I think I might have. I'm almost there on convincing my fiance to do the trip. So. Oh really? Finger, in October. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm trying to really talk her into it. I'm like, well, you know, I I, I pitch. I did the pitch of the under the stars, da da da, this and that. So. Uh, think of the the pod, We could do a live podcast on. The, dude, that'd on be sick. And we could have this guy on too. Over there. Yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about Egypt. We're going to talk about um, some stories that you have, some uh, some experiences that you've had as far as in Egypt and traveling around. And then we're going to probably get a little bit philosophical towards the end there. And uh, yeah, so Luke, um, you uh, we were texting back and forth and I didn't ask you. Um, I was meaning to ask you on the last episode about the uh, Serapium of Saqqara, whatever that's about. Supposedly these big, huge, giant boxes were used for the Apis bowls, but then none were ever found in there. And so that, and not only that, but the extensive tunnel system underneath the Giza Plateau. Can uh, you talk a little bit about that? Sure. The, not just the Giza Plateau, but uh, Saqqara as well. In fact, before possibly, we start, Luke, sorry to yeah. interrupt you. Uh, plug in your information so people can look you up, and I, you do the tours and stuff. So I do. I mean, that's you know, I, I pretty much just travel all over the world uh, when I can. I go to you know interesting uh, ancient sites that uh, have insufficient explanation, and I just kind of catalog what I see there. And uh, a couple years ago. This is actually why I started doing the special permission tour. I realized that a lot of the places I was, you know, uh, sort of bribing my way into, uh, you could actually, you know, sort of legally bribe your way into, but they're really expensive. But if you have enough people to do it, uh, you know, you can all do it together and and, and enjoy it uh, legally. So that's so I started the special permissions tours and uh, and we've made mostly been doing uh, Egypt. I did take a tour to Peru and Bolivia uh, back in 2015. But uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much what I've been doing. Uh, Enigmas of the Ancient Dot World is my website. I'm on uh, Instagram, enigmas underscore of underscore the underscore ancient underscore world. And uh, I have a Facebook page, Enigmas of the Ancient World. So that's where you can find me. You also do videos as well, right? I do. I yes, that's right. I have a YouTube channel, Enigmas of the Ancient World. Thanks for reminding <laughs> me. And I, I do actually share uh, 4K footage of these sites because, uh, and unlike a lot of other people who like will tease you, come on our tour and see everything. I tease you a little bit every now and again, but I actually because there's so many people who just will never be able to get to to go and do those things. I do actually share 4K footage of, of a lot of the stuff that. You yeah, know, it's, we get to it's see expensive, inside. man. It is. It is an expensive proposition, especially if you're doing it yourself. But uh, but it's fun. Yeah. You know, I, it's just fascinating. And I, I'm never really happier than when I'm, uh, you know, underneath some ancient building, probably filling my lungs with some kind of bat-related <laughs> disease. <laughs> yeah, so at least it's not the, uh, the coronavirus, but... Right. I, I worried that I had like uh, sarcoidosis for a while after the last one because I uh, 
I was allowed uh, or sort of they turned the other way that some of the tombs of the nobles and there are these very narrow shafts that you can crawl down and then it's just catacombs down there forever but you're, you're bent over double and then you've got to like drop down into other holes and then you know crawl around and it's like two inches deep in you know ancient dust and bat shit and, oh man you know, un- unless you've got a mask on you're just you know after a while you're sucking air and you're just breathing all of that in and uh <laughs> it can be a little scary because I'm sure there's really ancient diseases down there that are just oh, yeah. waiting for someone like me to discover them. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, isn't that what like the movies the mummies are about? Like this, uh, I, don't, I haven't watched them so long. I don't even remember what they're about. Usually uh, there's some yeah there's some something kind of messing with like a pharaoh and then he comes to life. But that's crazy. So the catacombs underneath the Giza plateau what's that like and then we can talk about the Serapium because obviously those that's just tunnels and tunnels and tunnels right well it's tunnels and tunnels pretty much everywhere and uh the Giza plateau is I mean it's riddled under there because you've not only had the natural aquifers that have also been used and incorporated into the tunnel system under there but you've got um I mean, just so many uh, shafts with tunnels coming off of them. And, uh, you know, these, a lot of these are clearly older than, you find burials in some of them, and it's just they've been reused. You know, at some point, somebody's gone, well, let's, let's use this for a burial and then fill it in. But, you know, these are connecting, a lot of them are connecting catacombs. And then you have ones like uh, the so-called uh, Osiris uh, shaft and tomb, which yeah. has uh, been closed for a long time, but uh, we have a permission to go in there, and we went in there uh, in 2018. And uh, you know, some of that's the first. I think the first, um, the first ladder down into the depths is like 30 meters, and uh, you're in a room with uh, six, six little chambers hacked out of the bedrock, and in two of them there are these really large black boxes. Um, you know, with the lids partially opened. And uh, those are debatably too big to have come down through that shaft, but there's no other way to get them in there. Each of those <laughs> weighs between somewhere between like seven and 12 tons. And it's, you know, been lowered somehow through a, a you know, 30 meter shaft, which is barely big enough, if at all. And then there's another shaft that goes down another, I don't know, 20 meters into a submerged, partially submerged chamber. And that's a really, really small, that shaft is about half the size of the original one and the box that's in there is bigger than the other ones i mean there's no way they got that in there through that it shaft and yet, as far mind. as i could see the rest of that chamber is bedrock i mean i i don't see the passage where that box came in it's uh, it's pretty crazy and again there's no writings on these boxes uh you know these these are older than the dynastic egyptian times and that's uh, a very interesting place and there's a lot of those places and there's a lot of them that actually have never been opened and are just still still waiting to be discovered or explored. And uh, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, catacombs going into the bedrock all around the Great Pyramids. Um, and I was talking to Yusuf about it because, you know, we'll go and, and, and take a look at that stuff. And he shows me the ones that were closed, you know, when he was a kid, you know, when before there was a wall around the site when you could just, you know, they would go there at night and play. And he's like, but these ones have always been locked. And, you know, they build structures in front of other ones. It's really, it's kind of weird. A lot of them have, are just stuffed with building and repair, repair supplies. And it's just a shame, really, a lot of that stuff. But it's, the whole area underneath there is absolutely riddled. And uh, it's the same in Saqqara. And actually at Saqqara, 
uh, you have the step pyramid and behind of Zoser, and behind that, a little ways away, you have uh, the pyramid of Winis, or better known as Unis, but his name is actually pronounced Winis. And there's there's a really large expanse behind Winis's pyramid that goes off, you know, into the distance. And uh, really, I had uh, uh, an archaeologist tell me the reason that there's nothing built out there is because there's so many catacombs and tunnels there that it wouldn't take the weight of a large building; it would just collapse. So that's why they moved the, you know, the pyramid field kept moving it further down, you know, the Nile as they'd go. Or at least that's mm. one theory for why they kept moving the pyramid. I'm sure there were other reasons too, but. Uh, oh, I got you the way it's it's angled. And then I was going to send you this, this article that I saw. It was uh, uh, searching for the fourth pyramid or something like yes, that. Yes, the, the so-called Black Pyramid. and um, The Black Pyramid? Yeah, it's called, it, it was in the, there was a. A, um, an explorer or a traveler visitor who documented a fourth large pyramid on the Giza plateau and it was it was black and um, you know it's gone but a lot of people use um, old uh, drawings or even old photographs that seem to show a fourth pyramid but it's actually because I've seen that standing on the Giza plateau you can see exactly the same thing today and it's actually one of the third pyramids satellite pyramids behind it looks like a fourth pyramid but is there was there a fourth pyramid there yeah there probably was i mean there's so much stuff there and the dynastic egyptians quarried and not just them but the romans everybody pretty much for four or five thousand years quarried those pyramids really aggressively um so is it possible that a, that a, a fourth pyramid was there that was completely quarried yeah it's totally possible two and a half million stones just gone like that I mean, they were smaller, though, right? It, I think it, yeah, it was probably smaller, but it's still, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stones. But it's like when you go out to Abu Rawash and look at that, that's been massively quarried, and there's actually a, a, a road that's about half a mile long and oh, uh, 30 feet wide and you know, maybe 40 feet high, something. Uh, and uh, I assumed that was the causeway, the old causeway, because it follows the direction of the old causeway. It's not the whole causeway. It's literally all the stone and rock that they – or not even all of it, but some of the stone that they had taken out of that pyramid and was too small to be of use, so they just made a road out of it. <laughs> I mean it's just – there's there's walls all around that site that are built out of the original pyramid blocks too. It's just crazy. Yeah, and uh, you know, speaking of quarrying, um, I think this is the site, the one that's literally carved out all in one piece, the – Kailasa Temple in India, I think. Yeah, Elora. Yeah. Kailasa. What? That's crazy. And they're trying to it's, figure out. <laughs> have you been there? No, I haven't. It's on my. It's on my list. India and Tibet are, are on my list. And Laos. Incredible. Incredible. I have to say that that yeah, but one of the and one of the mysteries there is, you know, a lot of the information that geologists um, and uh, you know academics can take from things like this is they they look. One of the things that tells you the story is, okay, you've carved that entire massive temple, you know, from the top down out of the bedrock, and that is millions and millions and millions of tons of fill that you've mm-hmm. taken out, and it's basalt. I think it's very, it's a hard, you know, volcanic rock. There, nobody knows where any of that went. Yeah, they're looking I mean, and looking. <laughs> nobody knows where that went, and so the, you know, again, the, is there a possibility that this structure? is much older 
than we think. And, and is it possible that, you know, our timelines just got squidged up? I mean, we know some of those Vedas are, you know, 10,000 years old. And there's a possibility that this stuff is really, you know, much older. I Honestly, I think, you know, the, the Hindu religion, you know, the Indian civilization is, is one of the very, very oldest. It's incredibly ancient. Yeah, this is incredible. And those who want to look at it, it's A-I-L-A-S-A Temple. And it's Kailasa it's, it's, so, it's so intricate, you know. It's so, and it's not just like, you know, just very crude. It's like every single inch of that place has it's incredible ecstatic art. Wow. Man. It's all that visionary ecstatic art carved into, into very hard rock. And it's, it's beautiful. And honestly, there's a lot of temples there. There's a lot of uh, photographs of uh, carving work in very dense, hard stone uh, that is so delicate. That's like coming out of the walls, you know, uh, like Apsara dancers with like crossed legs and like the, you know, the, the, the front knee is sticking out from the wall and the space behind or between the legs, that triangular area is gone and everything is decorated with a really uh, just incredibly high detail, very small. And, you know, I, I'm sitting there wondering what, you know, what the tools are that allow you to be that accurate yeah. in stone that's that hard. You know, a lot of people point at the Roman statues and they're like, well, look at, you know, the statues of David and, you know, the Romans and the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, first of all, that's thousands of years later and they had iron and, and more tempered tools. And secondly, that's marble, which is really soft. And yes, it's incredibly skillful. But when you go back and you look at what the Egyptians were doing, you know, at least four or five thousand years ago in stone with tools that they apparently apparently were insufficient. It's incredible. And I, I've been to Turkey. I've been to, uh, you know, Gebekli Tepe. And so I've been to the San Lierfa Museum and looked through stuff from the Turkish civilization that's like 1,500 years after what the Egyptians were doing perfectly. And it's this, you know, Turkish stuff in basalt. And it's so crude, but yet it's royal work. It was done for their kings. And it's, in comparison to the Egyptian stuff, it's awful. And you just have to, you know, where are these tools? What were they What were they really using? If they were doing it at that time, why aren't we finding what they were using? That's what I'm, that's what I'm always saying in there. I also saw another article on that they were using Da Vinci. Have you seen that article where they were using Da Vinci's uh, type tools to... I think that's another story that came through Herodotus. Uh, you know, tools of a machine that was used to lift... And they don't know if it was one machine or if they had many of this type of machine. And it was supposed to, you know, sort of clamp on either end of the stone and then or block and then move that block up to the next level. And then you would move that machine up and move it up to the next level and then move it up and move it up to the next level. And I, you know, and, and then they found a, a drawing in, you know, Da Vinci stuff. And they're like, could this be the, it's tenuous to me, but I don't know. I mean, it could be, it could be how they did it. Yeah, and, and again, it just blows my mind. Can you imagine the like how long it would have taken them to construct, you know, two and a half well, million if, stones. If you it's... if you look at it, really, um, it, it's mathematically impossible. They give you three numbers uh, most of the time: eight, uh, was it eight, and then either twelve or fourteen, and then twenty. Those are the years, the amount of years that Egyptologists give you for for the Great Pyramid. And if you actually take <laughs> take you know two and a half million some people say three some people say 2.1 some people say 2.5 but if you if you actually take that number and you do the math and you divide that into 20 years you know you've got to put a block in place you know every four minutes round the clock 24 7 for wow. 20 years 
I mean, we couldn't do that today. We wouldn't do that today. It's, you know, so, you know, 20 years, uh, I think 40 years is a stretch. I think you're probably looking at something more like 80 years. But as soon as you get into something like that, then it's not a tomb for the Pharaoh because the Pharaoh's dead. The Pharaoh's son is dead. You know, where are you burying those? You, you know, you need to start building tombs for them, right? And so people course, weren't living that long back then. That's why it's so. Some of them did. Some of them didn't. But, you know, it's it's crazy to think that something you're building over 80 or 100 years and then you're going to build another one just like it. And then you're going to be. And you know, the Egyptologists will tell you everything on the Giza Plateau, everything on the plateau, the three great pyramids, uh, Hantakaus, the Sphinx, everything that's there was built inside 85 years. That fourth no, dynasty that's... stuff, 85 years. It's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy to assume that you could do that. And it actually, it goes beyond the amount of blocks in the pyramid. And uh, I did a really short video um, on YouTube. Uh, it's very poorly named, Molten Granite Outside the Second Pyramid. It, it, yeah, I it saw should that. have been named something else like uh, formally you know, melted granite because there's some melted granite there. But anyway, one of the things I show you at the end of that video is that, um, or during that video, is the platform they built all around they excavated that whole area for the second pyramid they cut out all the bedrock that was in that area and they removed it in the order that they cut it in and kept it that way and then when they built the platform they put the pieces back together to build a, a flat platform the way they cut them and you know some of these blocks they're like i don't know 20 25 feet long maybe six feet high something like that and there's like three of them on top of each other to form you know, that floor. And then the ones that come right behind them, you can tell by like, you know, the structure in the limestone that this was the piece that was next to that piece when it was cut. And if you Jeez. go look at the, if you go look at the Sphinx Valley Temple, the limestone that's around that is the same thing. They've done the same thing to build the outer walls around that. And for some reason that was important for them. But if you go and look at the second pyramid, uh, the Great Pyramid too, but you can actually see if you walk far enough back the size of the platform they built to build that pyramid on. And I'm telling you, it's probably took them 25 or 30 years to build that damn platform before they even started the pyramid. So, uh, you know, unless they had a different way of doing it that has not yet, uh, you know, been suggested with any, with any true authority. I didn't ask you last show, uh, Luke, what, what do you think the pyramids, I don't, I don't think I asked you, what do you think the pyramids were built for? Other I than, I, mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, we talked about some weird, you know, weird stuff. I, I think um, I think the pyramids have something to do with uh, with sound. I think there's a, there's an acoustic property that comes with these things. It's very important. And for example, I remember I was telling you a little bit about the bent pyramid uh, last time about how uh, wind or air somehow gets into that pyramid and would come through the upper passages down through the fluted uh, nose like little passage or elephant trunk snake like passage. What I didn't tell you is that the, the big chamber underneath that, it's kind of like the queen's chamber cutting. It's shaped like an amplifier facing down. And then at the bottom of that, there's another chamber that goes, you know, down or another passage that goes down, bottoms out, and then goes up, you know, to leave the pyramid. And it's, uh, you know, it just seems like it's a completely acoustic design. And then when you look at the name uh, Sneferu uh, or Snofru or Sneferu, um, uh, it, it supposedly means uh, twice harmonic, doubly harmonic. That's the pyramid, of course. It has two different angles on the outside that the Egyptologists say is a mistake. And yet, 
uh, if that's a mistake and you realize it's going to be messed up, why do you finish it? Why do you yeah. then say it's not good enough? So I'm going to build the red pyramid half a mile from here. I want that instead. But no, go ahead and finish that. Go ahead, bringing all those stones over here and cutting them and shaping them. And in many ways, the bent pyramid is one of the best pyramids we have. Um, the the uh, casing stones are absolutely the best example and uh, the best design for casing stones out of any of the pyramids. And that's why that that pyramid still has the most casing stones of any any pyramid out there. But there's there's a whole bunch of things. And when you start uh, looking into it and you, you realize that um, you know the Egyptians painted and, and carved everything that they did and their techniques for just about everything. But it's not just the Great Pyramids that there's no there's you know, they didn't document the Great Pyramids, the greatest achievement ever. They didn't document that. They didn't document the Sphinx. They didn't document the Step Pyramid of Zoser, the first stone building of any true, you know, magnificence and import anywhere on the planet, according to our history. They didn't bother to document that either. Snefru's pyramids, they didn't bother to document his pyramids either. The Great Pyramids, they didn't bother that. Abu Ruwash, they didn't, you know, but everything else, you know, they'll tell you about their laundry techniques. It's a little yeah. bit odd. It's a little bit odd, and it's very frustrating for Egyptologists. They keep uh, they keep coming up with, uh, you know, little things to try to circumvent it, but it's the reality until we find that. Because I've been in the tomb of Rakhmara. I've, I've seen... He was like an 18th uh, dynasty vizier, and I've seen all the drawings on, on in his tomb, all the depictions of how they built the pylons at Karnak and how they built the uh, the columns and how they did all that stuff, and it's all there, and and it, it makes sense, but there's nothing like that for the pyramids. You mean that there's no depictions of how they built the pyramids? No, not the great, not the early, not the fourth dynasty pyramids, not the third dynasty pyramids. No. Really. Yeah. We don't know how they built them. Right, there was a Japanese team that came out to Giza like 25 years ago and, and were allowed to try to rebuild a, you know, a smaller pyramid. And they failed. Couldn't do it. They couldn't do it with the, you know, with the technology they had. Japanese and the Japanese are, are smart. I mean, right now, you know, in, in China, they're uh, erecting. Uh, hospitals from one to the next you know it just makes me think about this about how quickly they say that they built them but that's that's so incredible let's talk about um it's actually before we get off the japanese there's actually by the way there's lots of megaliths in japan that are really interesting but if you look it up there's um there's actually a japanese pyramid that they're talking about building in the future because their their whole idea is they don't have a lot of space in japan yeah um and uh or at least in the cities. And so their idea was to build this massive pyramid over like one of their harbors. I can't remember if it was Tokyo or where it was, but it'd be like a really large glass and steel pyramid that was like mostly over the harbor. And that you could like, I mean, but it would be huge. Like hundreds of thousands of people would be living in it and there would be, you know, shops and it would be like a city inside the pyramid essentially. So it's on, like, it's on Wikipedia. I forget what it's called, but if you Google, like, New Japanese Pyramid or something. What's their reasoning behind that? I'm looking at the megaliths in Japan, some weird stuff. There is some really weird stuff there, really weird stuff. And um, But it's everywhere. It's, you know, it's in Japan, it's in uh, Siberia, Russia, Eastern Europe, um, you know, Sicily, uh, Malta, uh, Italy, Spain, Greece. I mean, there is there's literally stuff everywhere. And, it, and some of it gets absorbed into uh, other things. And then some of it, you know, they just make something up. 
but uh, there's there's remnants of a much older history around. And when you go and stand in some of these places, uh, become it kind of becomes apparent that like you know our our sort of basic uh, fumblings of oh it was a it was a temple, or you know we're just we we don't know we're just making stuff up. They they were doing something really specific, but we don't really know. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't I don't think people realize because even I forgot that Egypt isn't the only ancient site in the world. You know, it's the most well known probably, but there was and, a lot and, of these civilizations other places. And again, I'm not taking anything away from the dynastic Egyptians. They built a lot of amazing stuff, uh, really high quality, very highly skilled. Um, you know, with with a limited uh, you know tool set. However, the stuff that they you know claim they built is not uh, it's not all it's not all from that time in my opinion yeah no it makes sense it makes sense you asked me about the serapium we'll we'll get into that but before i actually want to tell you something that almost nobody else knows and so now we'll we'll share gonna have to edit this out no no (laughs) share it absolutely share it um because uh i'm actually gonna at some point fairly soon I'll, i'll actually share the footage of it um there's another serapium. Actually, there there are a couple of serapiums, but there's another serapium that they found not too long ago. At least they're calling it a serapium, and it's near. What does a ser- What does what does serapium mean? Because I don't even know what that means. <laughs> uh, it it actually derives. It's actually derives from the Greek word uh, serapis, uh, which is like the Greek version uh, of the uh, of comes from apis the apis bull which comes from the egyptian hep and you know the greeks mm. for the greeks hep became a- apis and then like so the place of those bulls was the serape you know serap serapis oh, like that's kind of how that that word came about so this this is um this is a, a tunnel system that has been looted at some point there have been people in there um but it's it's all in catacombs but there are chambers that have been cut out of the rock wall really high. Some of them, you know, go down quite a long way and everything is just filled with like these fist like chunks of stone where they've just broken up so much of the stone in there, you know, trying to find something. And I don't know if they ever found any boxes like the other Serapium in there because, uh, you know, the Tomb Raiders either got chased out or finished what they were doing. And now archeologists have been poking around in there. There's certainly quite a few skulls in there and, um, and other things, uh, that I saw, you really have to crawl into it on your belly uh, to get in there, and then uh, you just have to be careful because you can fall into rather deep holes if you don't have a, a good flashlight. But I assume at some point in the next however many years they'll make an announcement that they found a, a serapium near near Aberwash. We were told we couldn't say anything about it, uh, and uh, I went back with a friend of mine, and his kid ran in there, and so I ran in after his kid. And, uh, and we just stayed in there for a while and looked around. That was, wow. Kind of... Yeah, that's that's. I wasn't in there illegally. I was rescuing a child, Your Honor. <laughs> what uh? So they haven't found any bulls in these boxes. No, supposedly they found one mummified bull uh, in in one of them. But if you actually go, it's supposedly it's you know they they have the bull at the agricultural museum. But if you go and look at it, it's 
remains of three different bulls. They look like normal bulls to me, and there's no evidence of mummification whatsoever. It's just some bull bones that they say came out of one of those boxes. But they were all empty. When Auguste Mariette in 1851 went in there, refound it, uh, and started excavating in there, all of the boxes were open except one, which he dynamited, and uh, you know, there was nothing in it. Can't imagine how disappointed they were. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he was really disappointed. Um, but you know, he also supposedly found uh, another shaft uh, with a bunch of really old uh, sphinxes in it that was near near the Serapium that at the time he said was too dangerous to explore. But he was going to come back. He died. They never found it again. They never found those sphinxes. They never found that shaft. So. So that's around that Serapium area area too. But the Serapium's really it's actually like you know i've made a few videos for whatever reason that's the one that has like 300,000 views like people are so fascinated with that place it's incredible it's incredible and, it's and the reason that people are fascinated is because it's it's a a bedrock tunnel system that they've you know carved in antiquity and then they've taken these really large two piece boxes you know, they're one massive lower piece and then the lid. And the lid is always, by the way, made from the same piece as the original box. And and I don't know why that is, but it's true of the really ancient stuff. And then they transported these boxes down into uh, these bedrock tunnels that are, in some cases, only inches wider than the boxes themselves. Now, these boxes, I think the smallest one weighs like maybe 40 tons. And some of them are over 100 tons. Those so come you, from the Aswan quarry, right? Which is uh, like... 600 miles away some of them like there's there's red granite boxes in there and those came from aswan um but there's a lot of um what some geologists call cyanite s-y-e-n-i-t-e boxes those are the black ones some people say it's a uh, granodiorite uh, geologists sometimes say cyanite cyanite with uh, porphyritic diorite i mean you get into geology nitpicking how hard really is this uh, what is well, it really? Oh, it's not granite. It's you know. They said they're batteries, right? But Two? the point is, well, there's all kinds of theories about what they are because nobody really knows. But so th there's immense difficulty in getting them down in there. Some of them, there's a back room that's locked now that you can't get into. They, the people who take care of the site don't even have the keys. But there's a box in that back room that is like twice the size of any of the others. It's absolutely massive. The lid is like five feet high. I mean, it's just incredible. Wow. Like how they got that in there. I have no idea. I have no idea how we get that in there today. Uh, you know, we'd probably have to just break through the bedrock and use cranes to, to hoist that sucker out. Like, I, I don't know how we do it. And, of course, they're dealing not only with, you know, how do we move this stuff, but, you know, how do we see down there? How do we breathe down there? You know, once – if you take the weight of those boxes and figure out how many humans it would take, and then you stuff that many humans into a tiny little passage like that where they can barely stand in some cases on either side of the box, and they're supposed to move that hundreds of meters and then drop it down, you know, eight or ten feet into oh a... God. It's crazy. Like, it's it's really, it's quite impossible. <laughs> it makes and, me think of, like, imagine back then the, when another civilization would go to Egypt and be, they'd be like, man, these people were on some shit. You know, let's like, say the Egyptians are gone and they're just there like the Romans or something. <laughs> These guys were on some shit because like I think the Egyptians how? trolled people too. I, I, I think as a culture they trolled people. I think they gave very simple explanations for very difficult things they did because other cultures would come and go, what the hell? How did you do this? And then they go home and try to do it and they couldn't do it. Oh, the Egyptians, oh, it's, no, it's easy. You do it like this and then nobody can replicate it. 
I think there's there may well have been a degree of trolling. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. That's uh, so. I mean, so the other th- interesting thing about the Serapium is many interesting things. First of all, is that we're only allowed to see a very small part of it. There's much more to that 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 they either haven't excavated or are uninterested in excavating or have excavated and don't want anybody to see. But there's clearly a tunnel that they filled with rocks that goes into another area that's further on. If you look in the histories, there's supposedly multi-levels of that, you know, of, of that place. And, you know, Yusuf and I were looking through that. And he goes, you know, he goes, I can prove to you without a doubt that this wasn't built in the Middle Kingdom when they say it was built, you know, Samtic or, or whoever, you know, they, they actually give it to me. He goes, it was repaired then. And, and like, here are like three reasons why. And one of the reasons, or a couple of the reasons, all the reused blocks that we see that have writings on that are turned around and put in a different place and and whatever. So he's like, they're using stuff from all these different times. So they're already recycling stuff. But he's like, look at the boxes. Look at how they're set in in the floor. And you look at it, and you can see that what they've done is they've tried to renovate the place, and they've redone the floors, but they can't move the boxes. So they just build the floor up to the (laughs) edge of the boxes. Now, if you were doing – if you built the place, you would build the floors, and then you would put the box in there. That's just how you would do it. So if you've built the floor around the box, you're renovating, most likely. So there's a lot of good reasons for that. And of course, if you've watched any of the videos, mine or anybody else's, people will point out that the boxes, incredibly hard, have been machined beautifully. I mean they are cut. They're not quite right angles, but they're very, very, very close. Everything polish is incredibly finish, smooth, and the polish is still reflects, you know, light like a mirror, even covered in dust. It's amazing. And so when you you look at the writing that's on it, it's chicken scratch. So it's another one of those situations where they they have the tools to cut and polish and finish, but they don't have a tool to write on that. They can't. They don't have anything hard enough to cut into the stone to write on it. But they have something hard enough to cut into the stone to remove the entire center of it at near right angles and then polish it. Yeah, and one of uh, Yusuf's discoveries, his personal discovery, um, was looking at these boxes because we've been looking at the the polish, the finish on this. How are they? How are they achieving a finish that's good for six thousand years or more, even two thousand years? How are you achieving that that finish? And there's signs on that, indications where like the underneath of the lid is not polished, but the side and the top of the lid is polished. But where the lid has been pushed, and you can see the underneath of the lid. You can see that what looks like a liquid has run down the side, the polished side, and come underneath like liquid does to run along a surface before dripping. And where it's done that, it has polished the stone. But everything that's around that drip is not polished. So it looks like a, it looks like a liquid that they were using that produced like an incredibly long-lasting polish. If you see the, the Ass One Quarry video I did, I actually yeah, I show saw that you, video. Like, yeah, I show you like Pompey's Pillar in that, which is a – a massive red granite obelisk, all one piece, you know, I and mean, it's just amazing. And the polish on large parts of that is still fantastic thousands of years later. And a lot of sites that you go to, I was at Baalbek, Lebanon. The only things there that still have a good polish on them are the Egyptian uh, columns that they, you know, brought brought over and used. It's amazing. Like the Egyptians were absolutely, apart from like the Indians, no one, no one came close. Yeah, there's some there's some really crazy pyramids in in India over there too. There's uh, a there's a lot of very interesting stuff. I really can't wait to go there. I just uh, 
We, <laughs> all we talk my friends about... get so sick when they go there. I'm just not really looking forward to it. What? Getting sick over there? Yeah, in India. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well. Everybody, everybody at some point or another has has some kind of brutal gastritis or something. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> well, hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, right. Let's talk about Abu uh, Rawash. That's the pyramid under the military base. What's that about? Can people go see that at all? Or okay. Uh, it's not the pyramid that's under the military base. However, it's twin. Their uh, Zoyat al-Aryan is underneath a military base. This and is why I have you on the show, because you're an expert. <laughs> they're actually complicated sites. And when I first started, um, because they're so similar, when I first started uh, looking into stuff and, and finding Barsanti's reports and other archaeology reports and looking through the stuff, because they look so similar, I would get them confused in my mind all the time. It's a very specific type of construction where they built a central uh, oblong pit with a, a long kind of ramp going down into the center of the bedrock mound. Because all the old pyramids are built on a bedrock mound. It's very important for them somehow to, to anchor the structure into the earth. And I think not just for stability. I think it has some kind of energetic um you know, process in, involved in there's a reason for that, that you want to ground the device. And so this is almost like a reverse. It's like they've, they've got the bedrock core, but they've hollowed it out and they've built, you know, a, a shaft down in there. And when this was found by Barsanti in 1901 or whenever it was, he started to find the pit. And as they were starting to excavate it, this pit was entirely filled with interlocking pieces of red granite and limestone. I mean, 28 meters worth down and he was Damn. really excited because he thought i'm gonna pull all this stuff out and he spent years pulling that stuff out like tetris trying to get it up because it's super heavy and it's interlocked into everything else like and it's just well, it's all just a big slab of all that stuff just interlocked it's just, yeah it's like a big it's like a big jenga like block it's, you know all the way down it's like somebody's put together what? like interlocking jenga blocks of granite <laughs> and limestone and um and so he got down to the bottom, what he thought was the bottom layer of this. And when he pulled that out, uh, there was this massive stone just off of the middle, massive block, granite block, that had a, an oval vat cut in it that had a lid on it. And that lid was still sealed with uh, lime and plaster. So it had never been opened. And, I mean, it had been under 28 meters of granite and limestone. I mean, there's no way anybody's opened that, like, since oh. that was put there. Yeah. So he was excited. He thought he was either going to find a body. It's a little small for a body. You'd have to be like fetal position. But he thought he was going to find uh, something like that or treasure or at least the name of a pharaoh or something. And when they opened it up, it was it was actually empty. But there was a 10 centimeter ring of black material around the side of the vat. So there was some kind of black liquid or material that was inside a, a sealed vat and um i don't i don't know what that is it's you know when the egyptians wanted to make offerings or leave offerings or have something like that like they had at the side of the bent pyramid they would build a little place for it or at the side of minkauer's pyramid there was an offering area that was constructed this isn't an offering so this is something that was either integral to whatever uh, that building's function was or it was, or it was something they wanted to stay buried forever. Yeah. Like for all time. And That's uh, so crazy. And that that pyramid is really weird because I don't 
I don't really have a problem with heights. I don't suffer from vertigo. Half of the group had vertigo that day. Half of the group had vertigo. A couple of the group had vertigo at the bottom of the shaft. I went up to the top to get video, like hang my video camera over the side, you know, 30 meters up. And uh, like my stomach was flipping. I mean, I've been to the top of the Empire State Building. I went to the Twin Towers. I've been to the top of the Eiffel Tower. I've looked over. I don't have a problem with that. But at Abu Wash, I had a real problem with that. And so there's so something like, a, like an energy around that area there. There's something going on. That's why you asked me the other day, what are the you know, what are the sites that you think are most energetic? And I I think Abu Wash is just simply for that. There were a couple of people in that group who just stood in the bottom of that pyramid for like 15 minutes when we were done with their arms out, like trying to find like that that kind of balance point. Yeah. So it's a really interesting. The other thing is that there's evidence in, in that pyramid, in the shaft, in the building down at the bottom of repairs. Now, Barsanti didn't do those repairs. You know, these are repairs that were done 4,000 years ago or more. Third dynasty, maybe fourth dynasty, if we believe, you know, the, the, the Egyptologists. But I'm thinking it's, you know, it's it's a lot older than that. Maybe in the third and fourth dynasties, they were repairing that and trying to do something with it. And so I spent about eight months looking into that site in Zoyat El Aryan. Now, Zoyat El Aryan is its twin. Like, it's just a little bit bigger. So it's almost identical. Uh, the same uh, oblong-shaped shaft, the same uh, ramp uh, going down into it. Uh, the ramp comes from the north. It's a It's an interesting design. Uh, it's very different from every other pyramid there. In fact, there are people who are like, these weren't pyramids. Um, anyway, so uh, I did this research on this, and the one on the military base caught people's attention because uh, they used it. I think supposedly the rumor is – now, I've looked at Google Earth. I don't know how they – I haven't actually seen pictures. I don't doubt it, but apparently it's been used as a garbage fill. They've just dumped a bunch of garbage wow. into the central shaft. I don't know if that's true. In Egypt, uh, there's no real um, – garbage infrastructure uh and so garbage just blows around and collects in places anyway so it it could be also something like that i mean i've gone to places to crawl into tombs and mastabas and we've spent 15 minutes you know removing uh plastic bags and stuff from around the entrance that's just collected from wind out in the desert you know so it could be something like that but people like it's on a military base you know, there's buildings all around it. What's underneath there? What have they built the military base into? It became like a, a bit of a conspiracy thing. And that's sort of what caught my attention about that. I thought, well, because uh, I, you know, um, I talked to Yusuf about that. And uh, when he'd served in the army, he spent time on that base because it's not far uh, from his house, but they weren't allowed, you know, to see stuff that was in there. So while I was in Egypt, um, a year and a half ago or something, I was introduced by a friend of a friend. They said, oh, you've got to talk to this person. I'm not going to mention this person. We'll just call them X because let's just – The legal stuff's not, about to go down. I'm not even going to say it's a, a man or a woman, but this person has uh, has a master's in Egyptology. This is not – and is working on a PhD. This is not a person who doesn't know anything or is just kind of making things up. I mean it. Maybe, but they also have all this knowledge. I mean, could just talk rings around me, you know, about, you know, Egyptian stuff, ancient Egyptian stuff. So I I, um, I was really interested to meet this person, and, and we decided to go out to a site and just, 
you know, talk. And I really wanted to, to get some interviews and I wanted some more information. And, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, if you're worried about your career or whatever, you can just explain some things for me that I can help, you know, put into the picture. But uh, so we started, I met this person and I, I met them in the, the lobby of my hotel and I was waiting for, I had a couple friends with me that were going to come down. And uh, uh, this person asked me about, gosh, this is a different story. Forget that story. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're out and we're going to a site. Well, I'll tell that story later because it's one of the stories I was going to tell you. But anyway, and uh, I started asking X about Abu Ruwash and Zoyat because I'm interested as to what people think they are. Some people, like I said, don't think they're pyramids. They think they're something else. And he's, he, I already blew it. So he, X is a he. All right. <laughs> so X, uh, he uh, he was like, how do you know? But what do you know about these sites? How do you know about these sites? I'm like, well, I've been doing some research and I read all Barsanti's reports and I collected the stuff and I compared this and I compared that and I made a couple videos and yada, yada. And uh, and he said, look, and I said, you know, obviously there were two of them and we know this. And I think he goes, no, no, no. He said, there weren't two. He said, there were eight. There were eight like this. And he said, the other six, these two were discovered early and they couldn't hide them. There's six more of these, and they have a very specific function, and they're not pyramids. And I'm like, well, you know, hallelujah, you know, fill me in, you know, because I, I want to know. And um, and he, he said, you know, are you gonna are you gonna share this with people? I said, Abs absolutely, I'm gonna share this with people. He said, I, <laughs> said I won't do any interviews with you. I don't want to be on camera. I won't, he wouldn't even take a, a photograph with me. And um, and. So when I said, well, you know, just tell me, what were they? And he, and he refused to tell me. And when I said, look, you know, why? Why won't you tell me? He said, look, um, the last person who talked about what these were stabbed himself in the back six times. Really? And, you know, so I'm like, okay, obviously we're not going to get any further in this sort of line of questioning. And I, you know, I talked about this with other people and some people are like, agree. And some people think it's complete nonsense. And, uh, but, you know, that's that's the thing. This person had a, an entire wealth of knowledge uh, on stuff. And he told me, you know, a few things that I would like to have included or got on film and, and you know, not going for it. But um, it's very interesting when you have somebody who's a scholar who has all these letter names after, you know, letters after their name. And they turn around, and they tell you stuff like Egypt is 350,000 years old. And I think I think that's stretching it personally like i could see egypt being 60,000 years old without without too much of a stretch 350 i find i find yeah believe. but i look i was talking to to x about uh, the step pyramid of zoser because i've been under there a few times and i was talking about some of the cool stuff under there he goes oh what level did you get down to now <clears throat> when i was there in uh late 2018 they had just discovered a sixth level uh, and there was a French team there, uh, and they were d making a little documentary on it. They had the cameras there, and they dragged Laner's bones out of his office to come down and say something. And uh, so I, you know, I know that there, we got six levels under there now, but they used to say four. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, there are eight. He said, what, what, what level did you get down to? And I'm like, four. And he said, describe four to me. I later went down to five, but at this point he said, describe four to me. So I described it. He goes, no, no, that's two. They tell you that's four. That's level two. What? And yeah, I know. Right now, there's there's like seven. What pyramid is this? This is the Step Pyramid of Zoser. 
Now, there's seven kilometers of tunnels under there, and there's a lot of stuff I was not allowed into that's underneath there. But I didn't need to go into all of them to see some really pretty interesting stuff down there. But still, you know, I'm like, so what do I have to do to get to the eighth level? He's like, well, he's like, I had to pay a bribe. And it was like, worked out to be like 8,000 US or something like that. Get out of here. And it was something ridiculous like that. And I'm like, you know, is there is there a level of bribe, you know, that I can? He's like, oh, no, they'll never let you in there. They'll never let you in there. I'm OK because they know such and such and such and such. And I'm like, all right, so what's what's down there? You know, what's behind there? And he said, well, there's uh, in the eighth level, there's a room with these green, large green statues in there. And the writing on them says followers of Toth who came from across the sea. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, the Anunnaki, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not a Sitchin fan, so like, if the Anunnaki existed, I don't think it's the way Sitchin uh, presented it. But yeah, I do I believe that, you know, there's our civilization's a lot older, and do I believe in entities? Uh, yeah, sure. Wow. But anyway, so I was not a, so, you know, I've been, as I said, I've been down under there a couple of times. I know uh, one of the inspectors and one of the uh, other archaeologists uh, who work under there. They're really nice guys. So I thought, right, I'm going to, I got, when I was there with Yusuf, I was like, help me translate. He's like, okay. So I went over and I'm just watching the guy's face because I want to see him. I'm like, hey, do you ever find any statues, uh, any statues down here? He's like, oh, yes, yes, we found lots of statues. And I'm like, oh, you got any pictures? And he's like breaking out his phone. He's scrolling through all these pictures. And I'm like, it's white. It's small. Mm, that's like 18th dynasty. I'm like, yeah, that's crappy. What's that? What's that? We're going through all this and like nothing. I mean, this is some cool stuff, but not, you know, no green statues of followers of Toth. So I'm like, green yeah, I'm like, statues. Yeah, I'm like, so do you ever find any green statues? You know, and I'm like looking at his face like for that, just for like a little flicker of holy shit, this guy knows something he shouldn't. And it was nothing. <laughs> nothing. And uh, so when I when I went down there again, and we were, they were very, very, actually very cool with us. They let us go into some areas that I'm not sure were on our special tour list. There were a lot of areas we weren't allowed into, but they let us go down, crawl through, climb down some really rickety shit into uh, the fifth level, and then crawl through some holes, through some passages to look down into the pit that goes down into the sixth level. It just has a rope hanging down into it and uh, getting close to the waterline because it's a little bit damp down there but there's a lot of stuff and we found or we were shown some uh, alabaster boxes under there that are incredible craftsmanship i got a video coming out on this in the next few weeks uh with some tube drills uh marks in it and uh some other tool marks that uh yusuf couldn't explain to me because you know these are like saw marks that are perfectly even and straight and go all the way across the bottom of the box like, how do you fit the saw in the box? Like that, it's one piece box with the center removed. How is the <laughs> saw in the box? Like, I don't understand what that is. And he's like, I don't understand what that is either. And this is a guy who literally has a shop with hundreds of granite and alabaster and basalt uh, figures that he and his brothers have carved from hand with various tools, modern and old. And this is a guy like, I don't know what tool that is. Wow, that's you know. So there's stuff like that under there to be seen, um, and uh, so he yeah, didn't so tell you what what those six other shafts were for. No, he he, he wouldn't he wouldn't tell me what these structures were for, what? and um, or, or even what the theory was, you know, behind it. You know, if so, I, it was sort of frustrating. I was a little bit frustrated, and um, I, I kept trying to engage him just to to give me. 
historical facts that I could use, you know, to, I'm like, explain this better than I can explain it about how the Egyptians connected to such and such, you know, nothing that's going to upset anybody. And he wouldn't do it. So there was, you know, it was, it was a, it was a slightly weird thing. And, um, you know, very friendly at first. And then, <laughs> then stuff got a little strained. Oh man. That's makes me wonder now. Um, that, you know, those aren't even the most fantastic stories that I've heard. I mean, I, you know, I had another guy, um, talking about when he was a student helping excavate, uh, a site and they, they were carrying things out on trays and boxes. And, uh, there were these red opaque, uh, vases, vases that they'd found under there, a bunch of them. And, uh, and he said they dropped one of these things, rolled off the tray and smashed. And he he was like, you know, I just I felt sick to my stomach. This thing is so old and beautiful, and uh, and I just broke it. And he said as we stood there and looked at it, it just like all flowed back into one piece. Get the fuck. I, I know. <laughs> I'm like I'm like, so you got a picture? You got video? He's like, no no no. He's like, we took it and we threw it on the ground, did it again, and we all tried to video it, and none of our phones worked. And I'm like, mm, yeah okay. So, but you hear, you hear stories like that. And that, that guy was a very rational, very rational guy. You yeah. Know, I, spent, I spent a couple of days, like he was just like a, a sort of an ancillary guide on, on uh, one of the trips I was taking. And he was very normal down to earth guy. And then one day he tells me that story. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, this, we don't know. I mean, there's stuff down there. Maybe there is some, because I have, I've had archeologists call me and there's, I've had two of them in the last year contact me. And say, look, I, I want to tell my story about um, you know being in Egypt and working in Egypt, and we find something, and then as soon as we find this remarkable thing that just is like doesn't make sense, um, you know the it's lunchtime is called, and like six black cars arrive from the fucking ministry, and the stuff goes into the we come back from lunch and it's gone and we never see it again. I had one right. one guy tell me a story about. Um, uh, cuneiform disc he actually sent me pictures of the cuneiform disc that they found and it said uh, uh in cuneiform it mentioned zeptepi which is what the egyptians called the first time but there's no other mention of that in cuneiform anywhere ever and you know this guy could translate it and he's looking he's like oh my god and then that that disappeared <laughs> oh oh what it was a cuneiform uh, yeah, it's like, a, it it's like a tablet or a slab or oh. a piece of, you know, uh, stone that had cuneiform writing on it. And uh, one of the things it mentioned was Zeptepi the first time. And that's like not usually seen in anything other than yeah. hieroglyphs. And that oh. piece disappeared, too. Yeah, can but you imagine think... the stuff that they're hiding, man, all this stuff? that, right? Like I told you, all those sites that you can't go to. What is there so important that you don't want us to see? I mean, obviously, you know, you have the conflict between them with Egyptology, but still, imagine all this crazy technology that they probably had. And who knows? There probably was a vase that when they broke it, it would come back. You know, I'm not doubting it, but I mean, it's possible. They're so cagey over really dumb things that sometimes you just don't know if they're just being ridiculously cagey about something or whether there's a real. Your reason, but I've heard all kinds of stuff. I've I, I know somebody who told me he said, look, every time they have a concert here in front of the pyramid, I know they're moving something from underneath the plateau. <laughs> that they don't want any, but they need to use tools. And he said there was one year there was I think it was Beyonce or somebody I forget who it was, but it came it was a big concert, 
He goes, man, he goes, they had this thing over the, they had these uh, lights that they were doing this really crazy pattern with over the plateau. And he goes, somebody told me it was to, to interfere with satellite photography. And he goes, the whole time that concert was on, they had this wooden platform that was built over part of the plateau that wasn't used for the concert. And they were all these drilling sounds and they just turned the concert up. And he goes, right before the concert ended, like 20 trucks came out from the plateau, just, you know, uh, lorries, you know, just came out like loaded with stuff. And I'm like, did you, did you see anything that was, no, we didn't see what it was. Cause that's, there's a lot of places out there that are, like you said, that aren't open, right? Yeah. That are still sealed shut. Yeah. There's a lot of places that still haven't been discovered and there's just a lot of places that are closed and I can't figure out some of the places they're closed are closed cause they're not safe. And, uh, I understand that some of the places that are closed. I don't understand. Like, um, but you know, we were talking last time about how much is unexcavated and what's the reason mm-hmm. for that, you know, mm-hmm. I've heard everything from, um, you know, you can come here for a month and not see, you know, a quarter of the sites that we have open now. Why, why do you want more? So I've heard that reason, which I think is dumb because we need to know more. So we need to keep excavating. And then I've heard them say, you know, we don't have the money, you know, which I, I guess I understand. Uh, and then I've, I've also heard, you know, we need to leave something for our grandchildren. So they have something to excavate <laughs> and, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, I, I think there's ways around all of that. I mean, how many archaeology students, Yusuf says this all the time. How many archaeology students would we get out here, you know, digging stuff up? If if we off if we said come out here, it's unpaid, but we give you credit. Come out here and work for six months on something. You could get a revolving staff mm-hmm. of kids or just people like me who would just go in and sit there with a brush in the desert, just brushing crap off. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's that's that's it, incredible. It could, be, it could be done. It could absolutely be done. Um. Can, can you talk about, uh, and I'll probably make this into a two-part episode, uh, just in case it goes on for a little bit longer. Um, so this will be sometime. I'll, I'll divide it here. We'll wrap up this section, and then we'll keep going, because I want you to tell the story about you and Egypt and stuff. Um, sure. Can you talk about the Osiris shaft? Because that's another particular one well, that... We, we did kind of talk about that, or that's the one I was talking but about. But the sarcophagus the, in yeah. the water, and then yes. you have those tunnels that it, that sarcophagus doesn't <laughs> doesn't fit yeah, through any I of mean, them. It, you know, I've I've been in there obviously, and I got down to that lowest level, and I actually went in up to my waist unintentionally because that rock at the bottom is very slippery. Um, but it it was impossible for me to tell in that lower room if there were passages that went anywhere other than what I could see. And now I've seen diagrams in various uh, academic books, um, and there there don't appear to be other passages. I've had people tell me, oh, there, you know, there's there was passages, but they're filled in. But they told me that about the middle uh, chamber. And I went and looked, and that is bedrock. That has not been filled in. There's no way that is not natural bedrock. It's absolutely 100% natural bedrock. So that that lower chamber, I can't tell you 100% for sure because I wasn't really allowed even to fall in. Uh, yeah. But but it's very hard. You've got to sort of you know crouch on your knees, and there's only about a foot between like where you're crouching and where the ceiling is. You've got to go into the water and sort of down to sort of be in in the room a little bit. See, why uh, would they make it like that? You know, such such a low ceiling. And then 
you know, know the water, I mean? water shots. levels must have been either different or they had, you know, the water was was pumped out or, you know, the 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 modern Egyptians have been trying to pump the water out from underneath there for decades and they they failed. They can't they can't do it. But I think in ancient times, you know, the ancients had it rigged so that there was no water under there. And the Nile path was a lot closer too. I mean, those docks, you know, the Great Pyramids and all the way down that, you know, the pyramid path, they all had docks right there that the boats would pull up to. You know, they were right on the water. So you would think that that stuff would be filled with water in ancient times, but yet they were down there putting boxes in there. How, you know, if it was underwater, Jeez. you know, what, where's their scuba papyrus, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, again, so, su- such a mysterious place. It's, it's crazy. Like, and I, I think there's honestly, I think there's something to be said for the theory that uh, the pyramids were partially submerged. Because if you look at the water damage on the side of some of them, it's to me, it's definitely water damage. It's not just wind damage. And the side of Winnie's pyramid in particular, I'm like that, has got to be the water sphinx, damage. The weathering on the Sphinx enclosure. There's, there's a lot of water damage there, too. And, and you know, it's it's... It's interesting. It's, it's hard to say. It, in my personal opinion, uh, I don't think the Great Pyramid was the first pyramid built there. I think the second pyramid was. I think that whole site is built around the second pyramid. I think the second pyramid and the Sphinx are the, the most important parts of that site. And I think the Great Pyramid and the Third Pyramid came after that. I, I think we just have, you know, the timeline wrong uh, of everything. But you know, this is people don't understand. This is how uh, this is how um, shady, really. Egyptology is um, like Abu Ruwash, for example. They give that pyramid to to Jedef Ra. Now Jedef Ra came between Khufu and, and Khafre, and so uh, that Abu Ruwash actually would have been the second pyramid built. For whatever reason, if we listen to them, uh, if that's when Jedef Ra built it, he didn't want to build his on the plateau. He went north and built his up north on top of a, a mountain, really. A oh, pyramid a on top hill. of a mountain? It's a, it's a pyramid on top of a foothill. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, because that pyramid is a little bit smaller than, would have been a little bit smaller than the third pyramid. And yet the peak of that pyramid is, the base, sorry, of that pyramid is on a level with the peak of the Great Pyramid and the Second Pyramid. Like wow. if you stand at the base of, of Abu Ruwash, you're looking pretty much at the peak of the of the Great Pyramid and the Second Pyramid. So, you know, how do we know that Jedef Ra you know, built that, it, you know, did they write it down? Did they talk about it? No, they found a pit that supposedly had, uh, if you look at, you know, uh, some academic sources, they say uh, over a hundred statues of Jedef Ra and his, some of his children and one uh, statue of Menkaura. So when I was there, I asked the archeologist, I'm like, cause it's a boat pit. It looks like what they call the boat pits around the Great Pyramid. I'm like, did you find like a hundred statues in there of Jedef Ra? And he goes, no, there were a couple of statues not sure if they were Jennifer. This is the kind of thing. That, anyway, so there are statues of Jennifer. So they went, oh, it must be his pyramid. And there was one statue of Menkaura. So they said, oh, Menkaura did a repair on this pyramid. I mean, that's literally, that's their history is that Menkaura repaired a pyramid that they, half the Egyptologists say was never built. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is a shambles. I mean, really, Egyptology is a shambles. And uh, so these are the stories, you know, you've got the Great Pyramid, you've got... Uh, that relieving chamber with some really dodgy ochre paint that they won't let you test the dating of. In fact, there was just a huge international scandal a couple of years ago about guys who had actually taken a sample of it and they weren't allowed to test it. The um, red paint, the, the, the red fluorescent. Ochre paint. Yeah, and this is this is one of the reasons why X said he wouldn't do 
any interviews with me because I talked about that. And I said, look, I don't agree with going in there and taking a sample off the wall. I wouldn't do it. I do believe it's disrespectful. You want to have permission. They had permission to take samples of other stuff, but not that. So you, even though they didn't take the really important part, they took a, just a little shaving off the side. However, they did it. Now, if I'm an Egyptologist, if I'm Zahi Hawass, and I believe to the bottom of my, my little soul that the pyramids were built 2500 BC by Khufu and Khafra and Menkaura, then I'm going to say, okay, you took it, you shouldn't have, but let's test it because I know that that paint is going to come back. It's going to be four and a half thousand years old. I'm going to show my middle finger to the entire world and say I was right all along, four and a half thousand years old, end of story. All of you pyramidians can just go to hell and all your books can be burned on the rubbish pile of history and end of story. But he didn't do that. He doesn't want it tested. And to me, the reason you don't want that tested is because you know that that red ochre paint is going to come back as being 200 years old. And then the only shred of evidence you have for the Great Pyramid being built by Khufu is yeah, gone. Yeah, makes sense. The second pyramid, Khafre's pyramid, they attribute that pyramid to Khafre because in a pit near the Sphinx Valley Temple, they found a statue of Khafre. It's like they're little kids, you know, they want to be right, and they're just mm -hmm. like coming up with any any little thing to to Kupu, justify the, it. The great god king that everybody worshipped and was blown away by, and was the greatest god king in Egyptian history ever. Blah blah blah. There's one statue of him. There's one effigy of him. It's about three inches long. It was found in Abydos, and it was made in the 26th dynasty. That's it. There's, <laughs> there's something really, really wrong with the Egyptological picture. You start looking at stuff like the Assyrian and, uh, and some of the – and the Assyrian is undoubtedly built by the same people who built the pyramids, the great pyramids, the great structures. And there's nothing else really that's like that, like all the later stuff. How do you build all the best stuff at the beginning with technology and tools that you don't have and then you don't remember how to do any of it? You can never figure it out again. Doesn't that's incredible. Make any, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's what I love about Egypt. Well, there you have it. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to check out Luke's uh, stuff, his material. He makes YouTube videos, also does uh, tours in Egypt as well. Make sure to check that out. Also, make sure to follow us on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast. Shoot me an email if you want to be on the show. If you have any crazy ideas or anything like that that you want to share with us, the Juan Juan Podcast at gmail.com. And keep a lookout for the second part of this series, this two-part thing where uh, we go into DMT entities and really break down his psychedelic journeys that he's been on. So, until next time. Thank you.